Welcome to Pastor's Class, a Bible study program brought to you by Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church. We pray this podcast will help enrich and strengthen your walk with Jesus Christ, and that it will lead you to read and study the scriptures more often. For more information about Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. Well, um, tonight we're going to close out our two-part series, um, The Purpose in Your Waiting. And on um, last week, um, we started out um, with the first part, which was that God has a plan. And we gave you a couple of definitions and things like that. And um, when we were looking at the issue of God has a plan, first we said that the promise necessitates that you wait. And um, the reality is, is that no matter who we are, what station of life we're in, um, what our spiritual assignment is, how much money we make, where we live, what kind of car we drive, we all are going to wait from time to time for something. The reality is, I don't care what level you're on, as soon as you get one thing, you're going to be waiting for another thing. I remember even growing up, you know, I wouldn't dare say it to my parents, but I was the youngest in the household, and after a while it gets kind of old with everybody telling you what to do. So I remember I said to myself, I didn't say it to them, but I said, I'll be glad when I get grown because then I'll be able to do what I want to do. and won't nobody else be telling me what to do. Child, mm, I'm grown, and people still telling me what to do. But that's all right, because I realize that I still need direction and guidance. Turn around and tell your neighbor, I need direction and guidance. And so the ultimate reality is, I can't do this thing without you. You can't do this thing without me. We need God, and that's just that. And so I will make great delight in his law, in his precepts, as he guides, leads, and directs me to the path that he has ordained for my life. Now, the only challenge is none of us have a problem with the things that God promises us. I think the challenge comes in when you put in that little vitamin called weight. (laughs) And then you realize, oh, is that it? (laughs) I've got to wait. Well, when God gives you a promise or when he says something is coming, part A, a section A of God has a plan was just that the promise necessitates that you wait. And the reality is you and I, we don't have a requirement. We have to wait. The reality is that you must change your perspective about the weight. You must recognize that the weight really is the path that leads you to the end of the place where you want to go. It's almost like a paved road, a highway, someplace that is taking you on your journey. Now, the reality is is that if you really don't want to get to where you're going, then you can stop waiting But the reality is you'll be no better off than when you first started this thing and you won't be satisfied where you are and the things that you see you will never be able to touch with your hand because you'll never allow God to perfect his work in you and shape, make, and mold your life as you wait and travel the road that he has ordained for you. 
The promise necessitates that you wait because you must engage the way, not reject the way. You know, sometimes in, in, when it comes to, to life decisions, sometimes we give more effort to learning how to drive than the caution we use in making serious life decisions. Sometimes we make life decisions with no real consideration. We give more concern to how we drive and the care that we take in passing that test instead of making sure that you and I are positioned in a place so that we can pass the test of life, so that we can embrace fully what God wants to do in our life and we can max out in the kingdom of God. Max out. Max out. That means that you want to walk in the superlative, cutting edge of design for your God-given life. You don't want to miss anything. I think one of the most awesome declarations that we can make as a people of God is, God, I want everything you have for me, whatever it takes to get there. And the reason I think that's an awesome declaration, because if God has something for you, you can guarantee you he's going to equip you and perfect you, and he's going to walk you along the way to get to the destination that he has ordained for you. He will never, ever leave. He will never, ever forsake you. But even in that place called wait, I guarantee you he's going to supply your daily bread. And for some of you, healing is going to be your daily bread. And for some of you, provision is going to be your daily bread. And for some of you, your job will be your daily bread. But he will give you everything you need so that you can fulfill his plan in this earth, which is ultimately to be his witness. Secondly, as you travel and you recognize that God has a plan, there's a purging that occurs. That's not always a feel-good thing. But the purge occurs while we wait. And number one, you must remind yourself of what God has said while he's taking you through the exercises. In other words, when you're in that challenging place when God is removing and plucking and pruning stuff over your life, keep reflecting on what he has said that he is with you and that he is for you and not against you. It will give you a whole different perspective as you face the challenges that you face each and every day in your life. One of the directors of my agency, I went to a, a, a briefing and uh, I said, man, she's kind of rough. Just the way, you know, she was dealing with people. Well, one thing she said, and I was like, wow, I need to, I need to take that and just run with it. She said, you know what? If you got any problems, bring them to me, because I eat problems for breakfast. I was like, woo. I was like, okay, wow, wow. But then I thought about it, and I said, shoot, I'm a king's kid. Greater is he that is in me than is in the world. He said that after the Holy Ghost has come upon me, I shall receive power, the power of being his witnesses. So when problems come out, well, you right, I'm going to eat them up. I'm not running from problems. I'm going to face whatever God brings to my doorstep. And by resistance, I will get strong and I will be ever the man that he has called me to be. Why? Because if he ordains me to face it, you've got to know I'm coming through it and I'm going to overcome it. Not because of my strength, but because of the delegated power and authority of God in my life because I choose to do things his way and so it is for you so it is for you as you live this life don't you dare 
dare, don't you dare settle for a good thing at the expense of waiting and walking and working with God and then embracing God's full, good, best thing for your life. Don't you know there are a lot of things pulling in at your attention, trying to distract you and get you to go this way and that way? That is such the tool of the enemy to distract you from having a single focus for the things of God. But you have got to keep your mind stayed on God, knowing that indeed there is a plan. And yet, though he slays you, it may seem that way, but I guarantee you can trust him. Because if he's going to slay me, I'd rather be slain by the one who can resurrect me and give me life. If he gave me life in the first place, I know he's not going to do me wrong. I know he's not going to do me wrong. Secondly, as the purge occurs, you must speak what God has said. Learn to own wherever God has you at that particular minute. Own it. Stop complaining. Stop wishing your life away. Oh, I wish it was then. I wish I didn't have to deal with this. I wish this. I wish it, I wish it tomorrow. Stop wishing your life away. There's a purpose in whatever God brings to your doorstep and to your face. And although it's his, for his glory, you better bet it's for your benefit and my benefit. And I'm telling you, God has created you to conquer and to overcome. And the only way you can do that is to yield to the process no matter how it feels. Next, after that, we said, you must do what God has said. You know, there's no excuse for us, ladies and gentlemen. We know the word of God. We've been around this thing long enough. Stop playing. Stop playing pity pat. Stop trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. If it's not a dollar, it's just not a dollar. Do what you know God has said do and do it wholeheartedly, not begrudgingly, but with your whole heart. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing worse than being in a relationship with somebody. And you say, hey, babe, can you do this for me? Sure. <laughs> really? Don't be too excited. But that's how it is. That's how it is, you know, with us and God. You know, God is saying, trust me. And we're like, yeah, Ooh, I don't know. I might have to do a little something. You know what I'm saying? When we find ourselves in the pattern called wait, and we find it difficult to wait or we choose not to wait. Literally, you know, we may not come out and say it, and most of us are not bold enough to say that to God anyway. <laughs> but what we will, what we are saying in a kind of indirect sort of side-by-side shady way, Lord, I really don't trust that you can work this out on my behalf. I think I could probably do a little something and make it come to pass just a little bit quicker. So if I want this man, if I want this woman, and even though they're not right, and, and even if it goes against the whole counsel of your word, I think I could, I could, I could, I could work with that. I can live with that. But do you just want to live? Do you just want to live with something like that? Or do you want to really have the whole heart and will of God and prosper? See, there's a difference from just existing to being able to persist and then advance in your life. And I say, in order to do that, we've got to wait and we've got to be committed to the process. Now, one of the things about the purge, which is just really wild, believe it or not, 
Some things in our life just have to die. They cannot go with us where we're going. They don't fit who we are. They don't look like the glorified person that God has called us to be. And literally, for you and I, as God is purging us and things are dying and things are being buried in our life, and we'll go a few steps and then we try to put it back on or try to do those old things, literally, it's like you're digging up a grave and you're taking old, decayed bones and a dead body and you're trying to put that back on and you're trying to travel with it. But the only thing is that you've got the stench of death on you, but you don't know it because that's not even who you are anymore. That's not how you're called to function anymore. God has graced you and elevated you, but yet you haven't fully embraced the maturity of what he's done in you. So when hard times and challenges come and you find things difficult, you revert back to that old man. But if that old man could have helped you, you would have never had to pursue the new place that God had for you in the first place. You know what I'm saying? Come on, saints, put your hands together because he is real and he is good. Now, after all that last week, what we didn't get to was that the power comes as a result of your weight. And the original scripture text that we were in was Acts, the uh, first chapter. And it was when Jesus had, was just about to ascend. And he told him, I want you to go back to G Jerusalem and I want you to get on one accord. Because he said, after the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to receive power. And the key point here to remember is that the power comes as a result of your weight. The power, the delegated authority to live your life, to think right, to speak right, to do right, comes as a result of your weight. Now, I know sometimes the weight isn't easy, and I'm not saying that the weight isn't sometimes challenging, but I'm saying that the power of God to flow freely through you and in you and then to be administered by you comes as a result of your desire, your ability, and your capacity to wait for God when he says wait. Three things you got to know about the power, how it comes to you as a result of your weight. Number one, you must believe that there is an appointed time. There is an appointed time for the power to come. Count on it. Bank on it. If God says it so, then it shall come to pass. I think the one thing that we need to always remember is that God is always working on our behalf. Always working on our behalf. We don't always see it, we don't always recognize it, we don't understand it, but God is always working on our behalf. And when you think about the fact that he's working on our behalf, if God is working on our behalf, and I'm riding in his car, it's his gasoline, it's his destination, he's paying for my entertainment, He's paying for my food. Why don't I just get in the car and ride with God? Why don't God's driving? He knows where we're going. Why don't I just ride this thing out with God? 
Now, here's the thing. The appointed timing of God doesn't always look like what we think it's going to look like. It doesn't always sound like what we think it's going to sound like. It doesn't always feel like we think it's going to feel. But the reality is, in the appointed timing of God, you've got to know that there is a power-breaking anointing that not only breaks yokes, but destroys yokes destroys ropes, plucked up by the roots, twice dead, never to come and face you again as you wait for the power, the demonstrative power of an authoritative God. Turn with me to Acts, the 12th chapter, and I want to show you something real quick. And when you get there, say amen so that I know you're there. And the scripture reads as follows, starting at verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people. Now, the first thing, there was really no reason for Herod um, um, to, to stretch out his hand against the church. Scripture says he, he was going to harass the church. Now, the first thing we see that is he killed James. Now, what James is mentioned here is the brother of John. And, and I remember, you remember the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and there's an account of, in Matthew and there's an account in Mark. One account has their mother petitioning Jesus on their behalf and one has them petitioning Jesus on their behalf. And the question that they want to know is, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, will you grant it so that my sons, one can sit on your left and one can sit on your right? And Jesus' response to the mother and the sons was, you know, he said, to sit on my left or my right is not my call. That belongs to my father. But then he asked a question. And I said, you know, when God asks you a question, be careful. Don't try to answer it. Just listen <laughs> and then let God answer the question and then receive whatever he says. But he said something that was so key. He said, can you drink? of the same cup that I drink of. And they said, surely, <laughs> you know. And then he said, can you be baptized with the same baptism that I am being baptized in? And they said, surely. Now, I guarantee you at that particular moment when all was going well, with the disciples, and they were making this request, quote unquote, to be more like Jesus, you know. He had no idea that his life would be required of him so soon because of his witness for God. It was his appointed time. But can I tell you this? When you have the power of God in your life, the appointed 
time, be it unto life or be it unto what we perceive as death, as just a portal that you pass through to up the ante of you walking hand in hand with the purpose and plan of God. Now look at this. For Peter, it was a little bit different. After he saw that it pleased them to kill James, then he said, oh, I'm going to go get Peter too. So he seized Peter. And when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people of the pa after the Passover. Now, one thing I want to just point out here is that four squads of soldiers of four each, that was 16 soldiers guarding just little Peter, who all he had was the word of God and the power of God. That's all he had, and he had all of these people guarding, and he had intended to kill Peter. Now, the reality is, is that it was the appointed time for Peter, but it was a different appointed time. Right after this, we're going to find out that Peter was sent to prison and some other things happened. Now, the next thing that we want to see about this Peter situation is that, number two, you must be in a place of accord. Look at verses five and six. After Peter was placed in prison, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. You must be in a place of accord. As you wait for God, you've got to be in a harmonious place with God. And how do I know that Peter was in a harmonious place of God? Well, number one, the church was play, praying for him. They were offering petitions up to God for him around the clock. And then not only that, now they're offering petitions for Peter on this side. And on this side, Peter is in jail. He's locked up. And he's being guarded by 16 men. And you're going to find out just a little bit later that Peter actually went to sleep while he's being guarded so that he can be executed. Tell me that's not peace. What is that but peace? See, when you're in the will of God and you're doing what God says to do and you're waiting on him, you've got to know that he's going to equip you with his peace. A lot of times we look at all the things that are going on on the outside of our lives and we let those things to disturb us. Can I tell you, it's not the storm that you see that will mess you up. It's the storm that's in your heart that will undo you because the storm that's in your heart will cause you to see the storm on the outside of your life as insurmountable and cause you to think that you can't overcome and think that God can't help you and think that God is not sovereign. The storm in your heart. And so in this whole process, because that power had come way back when, and Peter was now full and yielded of the power of the Holy Spirit, even in this tight, tight space where most of us would be undone, Peter was able to sleep. Now, I don't know about you, 
But sometimes when they're challenging things going on in my life and in my mind, sleep don't come easy at night. And sometimes I wake up in the morning and say, dear Lord, this thing was just all over me. But Peter tapped into something that we all need to tap into. And that's greater is he that is in me than is in the world that stands up against me. Peter tapped into something, and you and I have got to tap into that same thing as we do life. We have got to tap into that thing. And I'm going to tell you, the ultimate reality is, as saints, we're always going to find ourselves in one of those two places. We're either going to be on the praying, supplication side, or we're going to be on the peace side. Then things are going to turn around, and we're going to be on the other side, and vice versa. We're always going to be in those two places. So it will behoove you and I to learn to trust God and then allow him to calm the storm that's in our heart so ultimately we can see through the storm to the Savior that's on the outside. The next thing that you've got to see for number three is that you know that the power is going to come suddenly. Listen to this, Acts 12, we're looking at verses 7 through 11. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hand. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals, and so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real. Isn't that something? He did not know that what the angel was doing for him was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. That must have been some real good sleep. When they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. I love it because when I look at that, that passage right there, I said, wow, that's when dream and hope becomes reality. Now, first of all, he was in such a perilous place, but yet he had the peace of God. And I'm telling you, his sleep, his peace, even in that place of waiting, even in that place where his life could be taken from him, even in that place, he was able to fall into a deep, good sleep. So much so that the angel had to tap him on the side to wake him up. That's a good sleep. I'm going to tell you, I just don't go to sleep anywhere with anyone around. It's like I need, I got this certain set ritual. You know what I'm saying? But in that place, even in that hard, hard place, he was able to transition into a place of peace. But here's the awesome thing. Even when the angel started moving and doing things miraculously, it was just a, such a wonder to Peter that it seemed like a dream. But yet it came suddenly. And can I say this? Sometimes God is going to move on your life so suddenly it won't even feel real for you. You'll be wondering, 
wow, how did God do this? And you'll be thinking like, oh my gosh, look at what God is doing. And then you'll have to pinch yourself and touch your circumstances and your situation. And you'll be like, I feel like those who are living a dream because God has anointed and touched your circumstance and your situation and what shouldn't be has now come to be. And you find yourself living life in such a way that you're like, God, do it again. Do it again. I don't mind waiting for you. Do it again. I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good. My cup has been filled and it overflows. Do it again. One more time, God. Do it again. And he'll do it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again because it's all about his purpose and his plan and his will for your life and you happen to be yielded to it. Put your hands together because he is good. Say, God, do it again. God, do it again. God, do it again. I was thinking about that and... uh. I said, my God, when you taste the delegated power of God, and that's what it is, when that power comes on your life for you to be a witness, it's delegated power for the true and living God. It's not because we're so great. It's not because we're so good. It's not because we got it so together. It's because it's delegated power from God to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in the earth. And yet, because we're yielded, we benefit in more ways than one. Can I tell you this? Believe it, saints. Every up, every down, every illness, every healing, every fight, every war. The hate, the love, the bitterness, everything in your life, the accidents, it's all coming together through you as a convergence. And that convergence is coming together to work for your greater good so that ultimately in the whole thing, You can be a powerful witness for God, giving God the greatest glory with your life. Your life. Your life. Stop looking at your challenges as though they're sent to undo you. They're sent to strengthen you. Stop looking at disappointment as though disappointment is Lord over your life. Jesus is Lord over your life. Stop looking at your life like the boss at your job has the last say. God has the last say. He lifts up one and puts down another. Recognize that there is a process to all fulfillingness. And God is causing all things to work. God is causing all things to work. And can I say this? They work. They work. They work. God works. Surely he works. You know, sometimes I know it seems like you've been waiting a long time for whatever you're waiting for. And I know sometimes you feel like people getting in the way because they don't say what you want them to say when you try to get to where you're trying to go. And I know sometimes it's like riding on the highway and you trying to go 55 and the car in front of you going 25. But the ultimate reality is because God has ordained your journey, 
you're going to get there at the appointed time. At the appointed time. There's an appointed time for you, for me. There's an appointed time or everything in our life. There's an appointed time. God's going to do it. He's going to reveal himself over and over and over. Do you know, I thank God, let me just say this. There's just not one suddenly waiting for your life. <laughs> there's not one. There's so many suddenlies that you can't even number them. There's so many suddenlies to overtake you in the economy of God. You and I, we just have to position ourselves so that we can recognize the suddenly when it comes. And when the suddenly comes, jump on it. Jump on it. The suddenly of God. You've got to get ready. That's when preparation meets opportunity. Let me... Um, Share, no, I won't share that now. I'll share that a little bit later. But I'm telling you, it just, it just blesses my soul to know God has my best and your best interests at heart. I can count on God. You know what I'm saying? I know that he loves me in spite of me. Not because of me, in spite of me. And because I know that he loves me and this thing is all about him, then I know, I know that I'm going to see his face one day. And because I'm choosing to trust and wait, I know by faith he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Why? Because I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him. Even if it looks like it's not going to work, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to free fall. And even if it looks like I'm going to get banged up, I'm going to trust him. Can I tell you the accidents of your life? You know, when you think about an accident, you think about crashing and bumping and banging into stuff. And normally nobody comes out of an accident unscathed and unscratched. There's some type of something that happens and goes on. But let me tell you this. Even in those things we call, quote, unquote, accidents of life, at best, if you start leaking, if it breaks some skin, you're only leaking out what God has deposited within you. And that will touch someone's life. A little bit of grace, a little bit of mercy, a little bit of patience, a little bit of love, a soft word that turns away wrath. You see what I'm saying? So even in those accidental, quote unquote, accidental moments, and if you get banged up, know that it's to the glory of God and you're banged up. You're not one and done. You're just banged up. Healing is still yours. You're still going, you're still in the race. You just look a little different for a little while, but you're still in the race. Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus. Now we just want to move real quick to God is in the details. And this is real easy. Just got some things for you to take down and consider at a later time. But God is in the details. And when we think about God being in the details, you know, a lot of times, you know, when things go wrong and uh, somebody writes a contract or something like that and, and, and it seems like one party gets the, the bad end or, or isn't handled fairly or isn't dealt with equally, we'll say, man, you should have been familiar with the details of the contract. And we'll say, the devil is in the details. Well, let me just tell you, really, God is in these details. Because God wants you and I to know that as we wait, there are certain things that he's doing, and it's just not for not. A, waiting reveals our true motives. 
Waiting reveals our true motives. Believe it or not, waiting brings out the best and the worst in people. People who don't have good motives won't wait long because they're not interested in commitment or delayed gratification. See, waiting, it really does reveal the true motives because sometimes when people have to wait and they can't get what they want from you when they want it, it's like there's a whole big commotion. And you know, I think it's a shame and a scandal when we come to a brother or sister making a requirement of them and we'll tell them we heard from God, but yet we won't give them opportunity to hear from God in order to respond to our request. How about that? That's a shame and a scandal. See, waiting reveals our true motives. Is it about the ultimate good of God or is it just about getting what I want when I want it? B, waiting builds patience in our lives. That's the capacity to accept or tolerate delay or suffering without getting upset. You know, Jesus suffered a whole lot on our behalf. And I never heard him complain about being our savior, not once. As a matter of fact, those who even crucified him at the cross, he said, Lord, they know not what they do. That sounds like mercy to me. And I tell you, even a like candidate for, for that, to, to be able to tolerate whatever's going on, is Stephen, the, the first martyr. One thing about Stephen, Stephen's called to be a deacon. All the deacons should say, woohoo! But not only was he called to be a deacon, do you know he was the first martyr? And scripture says he was full of the power and presence of God. So much so that he was preaching and teaching and the Pharisees did not like what he was doing. But I love what happened near the end of his life, near the very end of his life. He was preaching and they decided they were gonna stone him and kill him, their version. And as he was preaching, he looked up to heaven and he said, my God, I see the son standing at the right hand of the father. And at that moment, they just started really just going for him. Now, I love what the Bible says because the Bible says he fell asleep. It doesn't say that they took his life. It says that he fell asleep. Believe it or not, that was Stephen's appointed time and moment. God anointed and gave Stephen that power for that moment to be a witness in the greatest way that Stephen was called to be a witness. Believe it or not, you and I, we have no clue about all that God would call or want or require of us. And the reality is it's nothing that we need to worry about. It's nothing that we need to think about. The reality is, is that at the appropriate time, you've got to know that God is going to anoint you and empower you for whatever circumstance and situation you face in your life. Now, I know Stephen had no clue when they laid hands on him and appointed him as a deacon that that would be his end. But it really doesn't matter because he was sold out for God. 
so it is for you and I. As we travel this road called waiting, it should not matter when we see what we desire. It should not matter how it comes to us, because that's God's decision, not ours. And even, listen to this, and hear me on that when I say this, even if the thing we want to see and hope for, we never see it in this life, on this side of creation, know that God has greater for you in his presence. Can you yield to that? Can you yield to that? See, there are a lot of dreams and hopes that I have. There are a lot of things that I'm waiting for. There are a lot of things that I'm expecting. The reality is, as to whether or not I will actually see him on this side of creation, God only knows. But the one thing I do know He's setting me up in this life so he can get the greatest glory out of my life. And I'm determined to give that to him no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, and no matter what it may seem to cost me. Why? Because he's given me everything, everything, everything. And I've gained everything through him. C, waiting builds anticipation. We tend to treasure the things that we wait for. One good example of that is you look at the story of Jacob and Rachel. We tend to cherish the things we work for. He worked for Rachel for seven years to be his wife, and because he wanted it so bad, wanted her so bad, he said it only seemed like a few days. Then his father-in-law played a trick on him and gave him the other wife, and he worked seven more years. I'm telling you, sometimes the things that we have to work for and wait for are the things that we treasure the most. That's why it's awesome to enjoy the journey called wait. I know it looks challenging. You know, when you, first of all, you're dying to meet somebody. Then you meet them. Then you're dying to get engaged. Then you get engaged. Then you're dying to get married. Then you get married. Then you're dying to have kids. Then you have kids. Then you're dying to get a house. And then you have a house. Then you're dying to get a bigger house. And you get a bigger house. And you know, it never stops. It just never stops. There's always going to be something. There's always going to be something. And you know, I wish I could tell you that the thing you're looking for is going to be the cure for your weight. You know what the cure for our weight is? Jesus and him alone. <laughs> Jesus is the only cure for our weight, the only cure for our weight. D, waiting transforms our character. Literally, waiting helps to rub off some of those rough edges in our life that would cause us to be hindered in the new place that God is going. And then finally, waiting builds intimacy and dependency on God. A good example of that is Joseph. Joseph was beloved in his father's house. He went from the pit to the prison, to the palace. Then after all that, when he got caught up with his brothers, I love what he said. He said, you know, don't grieve because of what you did. Know this God sent me. So the dream that Joseph had as a teenager 
where his mother and father and brothers and all of them would be yielded to him. It came to pass. But the reality is the path that it would take to get to the ordained place looked nothing like anybody could imagine. And so it is with God. Now you're on a path. You're in a place. You're going somewhere. God is doing something. Don't be afraid. Don't cast off your faith. Don't cast off your endurance when it doesn't look like what you think it should look like. Know that God is still working it out for your good. Know that God never asked us to wait without him. Never. Never did he ask us to wait without him. He said, I will be there with you. I'll never leave, never forsake you. God is committed to walking with you and working with you. It's just a matter of you and I adjusting our perceptions so that we could see what God is doing. Amen. Amen. Let's wait together. Put your hands together for Jesus. Thank you for listening to Pastor's Class. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more messages and Bible study teachings, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. If you live in the D.C., Maryland, or Virginia area, come visit us at our home location, 5340 Baltimore Avenue, Hyattsville, Maryland, 20781. Pastors Class is a weekly Bible study that occurs Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. at our home location. We would love for you to join us. May God bless you and guide you as you continue to study to show thyself approved in the grace of Christ Jesus.